Let's start off today with some really good news. By the time you hear the next Elwood City Limits podcast, so not this episode, mm-hmm. and not our next Patreon episode, mm-hmm. but the next mm-hmm. mainline ECL episode, mm-hmm. the far flung future. Yes, you and I will have received our first dose of the COVID vaccine. That's right. So in in two weeks, uh, if you hear us talking about how much I love, you know, the Microsoft Edge browser, um, <laughs> how much I would never be caught using Google Sheets, how I, I only use Google, uh, Microsoft Excel. Uh, you you know why it is. It's because we've gotten the jab uh, and are finally safe from the novel coronavirus, or at least partially with the first one, um, and then also have developed a certain affinity for the Microsoft products, uh, the Microsoft, if, uh, uh, the Windows OS operating system for some reason. If there's any, like, magnetic, like, if there's any static or, like, weird audio interference, mm-hmm. it's probably the magnet in my arm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fair warning for uh, recordings going forward after this one. This may be the last uh, truly good episode yeah. of ECL. The last nano machine free episode uh, <laughs> before this completely switches into, yeah, just a, just a Bill, Kate, Bill Gates fan podcast. Yeah, so um, our part of Canada, Nova Scotia, has been getting the vaccine rollout in kind of measured uh, age brackets for the past few months. And thankfully, you know, my my parents have been vaccinated and my older sister has been vaccinated. And now uh, this coming Monday, May the 31st, I will be getting my vaccine. And Lucas, yours is in uh, uh, June the 6th, I think. Yeah, I'm a little bit younger than you. And this is different than how other places have done it, but our vaccine rollout is based on your age. So Mm -hmm. oldest people got vaccinated first and, and it goes kind of in 10 year brackets. So you were able to book yours earlier. And then I was able to book mine basically a week afterwards. Um, But yeah, it's exciting stuff. It feels like the end is near. I could, I could see the horizon over the hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I mean, it really is a light in the darkness because of course we've had, um, a lot of a lot of COVID cases in the past month, and we've had to kind of go back to close to lockdown measures. And now with the vaccines here and the appointments being close, you know, it's a really exciting time. I will just say that uh, we may have to prepare uh, for one or both of us being a little under the weather, depending on how we uh, oh, yeah. uh, react to the vaccine. But we will we'll deal with that as it comes right now. We're both very excited. Uh, to be very close to having this behind mm. us. So excited that I'm I'm already getting ready to queue up my favorite uh, Elwood City Limits episodes on my Microsoft Zune. I've sold my <laughs> iPhone and purchased a Microsoft Zune MP3 player in anticipation of getting my vaccine. And that's even before the vaccine. Wait until he's actually under mind control. <laughs> this is Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. My name is Will, and uh, Lucas is my co-host. Um, yeah, so we have. Well, I just wanted to make sure that we had the update in there because there's been a lot of people on our Discord and whatnot asking about our vaccination status. I know that in, uh, among our American listeners, a lot of vaccines are going around, and that's awesome. Hopefully for our other Canadian listeners in places like uh, Toronto, Ontario, uh, and uh, wherever your vaccine rollout is going well too, and uh, we'll give you a little bit of Arthur-based entertainment uh, to help you through these tough times, as always. And we always like to start with the emails. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail dot com is where people like to send their emails. Uh, it could be responding to a previous episode, a previous podcast episode, a topic that we've spoken about, or anything in between. We've even gotten like fan art and fan submissions mm. uh, via the email, which you are always welcome to do. That's right. Um, what, what's City your favorite? What's your favorite uh, program in the Microsoft Office suite? Is it PowerPoint? Is it is it Word? Let us know in your my, emails. My, 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 my entire, my entire, <laughs> you, you joke, but my entire, basically my entire like third of my income happens because of Word, so I, it has to be Word. You're, you're going with Word? Hmm. Yeah. I, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, my least favorite is definitely Excel. Um, yeah, I, I, I use that, for, I use that for invoices though, so I get money thanks so you, to Excel. You like Excel? See, I, I tolerate <laughs> Outlook is really what puts money on my table. That's, that's really, Outlook yes. is really the one that feeds me. Uh, but, uh, it doesn't mean I like it, though. I don't know. I'd have to think. Wait, we'll check back in once I get my vaccine, and I'll let you know. 
junior high and high school really kind of like how our childhood cartoons prepared us for quicksand being uh, more of a problem in our lives. I was led to believe that I would be using PowerPoint a lot more as an adult, and I really don't. So I'd say that's probably the one that gets the least amount of play. So let's go over to the emails here. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. First one is from Eddie who has been going back in time to 2017, listening to the podcast in uh, chronological order, currently on episode 38. Not sure if you guys talk about this in future episodes, but I've been listening to this Arthur CD on repeat lately, and it's great. Well, uh, I guess Eddie will hear this long after he's discovered this, but yes, we do have several episodes on the Arthur music CDs and tapes, uh, so you can go back in the the, uh, records in the in the in the past episodes and uh, check those out uh, i'm excited to continue listening to the podcast while at work and getting into future seasons i wanted to hear your thoughts on the episodes arthur's big hit which of course we have done as well if you'd like to listen to that um Da-da-da-da. Arthur has had its golden age and its downfall pretty normal for a long-running show. In my opinion, the golden age of Arthur is around seasons 1 to 5. Mm. Silver age is seasons 5 to 15 and dark age past season <laughs> 15. I can't help losing interest in the show after season 15 as an 18-year-old watching the show. I'm interested to hear what you guys think are the gold, silver, and dark ages of Arthur. Or maybe you think the show is gold all around. Who knows? I'm glad to see that you guys are still going strong since 2016 and are still active. I wonder how long it will take for me to catch up to your current podcast episodes. Well, time will tell, and we will keep going as you will, I'm sure. Eddie, thank you for listening. The I, I like his tracking of the Golden Age of Arthur, the the Golden Age the Golden Age arc, as it were, um, seasons one to five. Then we have a long silver period of five to fifteen, and I feel like mine would probably be closer to like. Five like seasons five to like eight or nine maybe oh really once we, once we start to get into the double digits it's when we start to enter a little bit of a bronzy age because at that point we are trying weirder things but we're also getting like starting to run out of ideas interesting interesting so i actually tackle on this in my uh appearance on podcast 69 which hasn't come Ooh. out yet but it'll be it'll be out soon it's a monthly podcast so it should okay. be should be up before the end of the month uh but we discuss kind of the quote-unquote golden age of arthur um but i i'm happy to kind of talk about the these bronze and silver ages um, I don't know. I've kind of enjoyed season eleven and and what we've seen thus far of season twelve. Yeah, no, that's not to say that's not to say that I don't enjoy them. I'm just saying from kind of an overall mm. quality standpoint. And I will also admit my bias here of the earlier seasons of Arthur being oh. my favorites. I try to constantly call that out because that's when I came in with the show, and that's what I've seen the most. But, but I also think there was some really weak episodes smattered in, like, season 7, 8, 9. Like, 7, 8, 9, yeah. I, I think we could all agree that the first four seasons, 4 to 5, depending on, on who you are, are, are really sure. just kind of the... And we, we are both biased because those are the ones we have the most nostalgia for. But that, that I think, everybody could agree is the quote-unquote golden age of Arthur. But yes. I, I don't know. There, there's, there's some really good episodes post season four but there's also some of the worst episodes we've seen so far post season four and and i remember going back and doing some of those i can't remember exactly which seasons these were but i remember doing some of those top five videos or top five episodes of the podcast rather um where we were talking about our favorite episodes from those kind of you know season seven eight nine and i remember some of them being kind of clunkers of seasons um yes so I, i don't know if i'm ready to quite say that any one of those seasons is better than, say, season because I think I really enjoyed season eleven. Uh, so I, I yeah, I think that I think that was one that we kind of looked at pretty mm-hmm. fondly, especially in regards to the ones that came before it. And I'm also I don't want to completely write off the Flash era yet. I'd rather get into it <laughs> and see how I feel. It's true uh, because if I'm being honest, like I'm kind of having as many problems with the animation of season twelve and onward as I am with the Flash animation that I've seen. See, I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but I, you know... It's still, the, the, it's still, it's still early. How, it's still early. How the show looks is just one component, right? Like, yes. for instance, if the writing stays consistent in the Flash animation, it could be, uh, you know, totally watchable. 
uh, held up against other shows that are of similar ilk that are flash animated, but that don't have strong as strong as writing. Um, mm. So yeah, I I too have seen very little of the Flash era on purpose up to this point, <laughs> and so I I think the jury's still out on maybe that could be a secret Silver Age. Who knows? I know it looks ugly, but I I, I still like yourself. I'm, I'm reserving my opinion until we see it firsthand. We also have an email here from Diana, who's finally caught up with all of our podcasts. The email says videos, but I'll pretend you said podcast all 147 within a seven month span i wonder if that includes the patreon content as well last time i emailed i think i was about a quarter in but by the way 147 in a seven month span that seems like a lot of time but you know that's 147 hours plus so good uh, good on you for finding the time and thank you for doing that uh, a couple things I want to point out. Did you all notice that in the episode where we learned that Brain was held back, the kindergarten class photo of the gang contains Muffy? I thought that was a glaring continuity error since we know that Muffy transferred to Lakewood Elementary in second grade. So, yeah, I, so I didn't notice that myself. And we actually had a discussion in the Discord. Um, I believe it was Vinny uh, put a picture in of, like, three things wrong from a season one episode. And it was, like, uh, Muffy's presence in the class um was a little bit prob was a little bit problematic continuity wise i think there's definitely a retcon uh going on in some of the seasons after one even as early as i'd say season three or four i'm thinking of the first episode where george is really introduced where it's like oh muffy was around when they were in kindergarten whereas like in the episode she's introduced like no she wasn't so i think that's a bit of retroactive continuity to kind of put her as always having been in the arthur universe versus having arrived in grade two so um yes but in terms of continuity errors some i'm willing to more let go number two i noticed that sonia ball the voice of jane reed also does the singing on a lot of the commercials and jingles on arthur like the ponyland song and the tina the talking tabby song yes uh in fact in the episode we're about to talk about we get a we get a notable arthur voice doing uh quadruple duty in some cases uh, and three, I think it's interesting when people go by their initials. Like, at what point do you decide single letters will be your name? In that one Stanley episode, Arthur calls D.W. Dora. But I wonder at what point her name changed to D.W. and what spurred that. Do y'all know anyone who goes by initials? So that's from Diana. I don't think I currently know anybody. Well, except, I should say, uh, for... Elwood City Limits patron EJ Acra. Mm. That's that's the one that springs to mind. But it, I can't think of anybody I know in real life. It helps to have a second Ooh. initial that's a J. You know, EJ Acra, yes. TJ Detweiler. <laughs> the, those are good. RJ McCready. Exactly. Those are good initial names. DW as well kind of rolls off the tongue. DW. It sounds like some like prospector from the early 20th century or something. Oh, DW Pettysworth or something like that. Um, but it is, you know, on that note, it's kind of an old fashioned thing. I don't know anybody in my personal life that just goes by their initials. Um,. Hmm. Especially like with two initials, right? Like you'll you'll hear yeah. of guys be like, "Oh, that's T. What's up, T?" <laughs> like that that's something that's a little bit more seems a little bit more modern. But yeah, so, someone going by initials, you're either like a pageman, like some sort of author, or you're like an old timey oil baron. Yeah, and it, I, I think it it kind of falls out of fashion among some kids after they reach a certain age of being called by initials. So yeah, it's not. Um... It's not. It's. I. I can't think of anybody else that uh, has uh, initials in their initial initials as their first name. But uh, who knows? I'll probably think of one as soon as we finish. Thank you both for your emails. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can also send uh, messages to our socials if you want to get in touch with us that way. A um, couple things I want to note here. Actually, um, I was contacted recently. Speaking of socials, on the Tumblr by a by a director of an Arthur fan site that I was involved with back in 1999 to like 2002 I want to say this is one of like the first websites that I visited it's called the Elwood City Downtown Core and if you go to Elwood if you go to um, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com I'm reblogging some of their fan art that they created for the website and it was re like they just messaged me out of the blue and it was super cool of like oh my god you made a website that like helped to deepen my Arthur fandom and was one of the first websites that I ever would check regularly as a kid. Like they, like they would have 
Arthur episode reviews and stuff like that. That's probably where the idea, like the the seed of the mm. idea for Elwood City Limits was planted many, many, many years ago. And even in our name, you know, they're the downtown core, we're the limits. It's, that's, it's... that's also kind of what I was thinking of. <laughs> it's like Elwood City downtown core was part of that. And then I decided to go with, well, we're the limits. So, yeah, very influential to the show. Check out their Tumblr. That's uh, Elwood City Downtown Core on Tumblr. You can find it through our Tumblr as well. ECDC hyphen revisited is uh, what to search for on Tumblr. Um, I also mentioned our Discord before. We'll get to our Patreon shoutouts in a second. But uh, recently discovered today, and I wanted to bring this up for any of our listeners who knew about this or maybe even went to it. Did you know that there was an Arthur live show? I think I did. I, I vaguely, this could be like a Mandela effect thing, but I vaguely have images of my head of like like ads for the Arthur live show. So there was something back in, uh, I want to say 1999-2000 called Arthur Live. And or, or, so there were two iterations of this. It was uh, Arthur a live Adventure. As the Arthur Wiki points out, by the way, thank you to uh, everybody there who operates the Arthur Wiki. It was a touring stage show, toured in 1999, ended sometime in 2001, um, and it was basically a retelling of the Lucky Pencil, and you had people with, like, Arthur mascot costumes, basically, and it was a bit of a musical. And then in 2007, they did Arthur Live, which was uh, based off of the Arthur Tricks the Tooth Fairy book, and it toured the United States. This was complete news to me. I did not realize, but we have covered a few PBS Kids shows on our Patreon uh, podcast for the kids that have been, like, that have had live shows or some kind of live content, like Dragon Tales and The Big Comfy Couch. Yeah, and I'm no stranger. They they continue to this day. You know, there's like the Wiggles live show. I know that's more of a traditional musical act, but um, or or Paw Patrol. I think still tours live. So this is a tradition that has continued on um, into the modern era. So yeah, it's it's just wild. Another piece of Arthur ephemera that just completely completely missed us. So if you ever saw this, if you ever. Uh, went to Arthur Live. Any iteration, please let us know. Uh, contact us in whatever way you can. By the way, um, I, I again, I want to congratulate and thank the Arthur Wiki. You know, the Arthur Wiki, not seeing any pages on Elwood City Limits, oh the episode of Arthur Podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, the our our lovely listeners were nice enough to get us a TV Tropes page, and that's great. But if you're talking about somewhere, like, I'm not talking about a Wikipedia page. Elwood City Limits does not need a Wikipedia page. It could use an Arthur Wiki page. And I'm just going to just gonna flex some of my muscle here in mm. the Arthur community just a little bit. Maybe maybe think about maybe think about getting us an Arthur Wiki page. It, it, listen, let us, let us know. If, if, if you nothing do. else, you're, you're manifesting, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so before we get into the Arthur episode at large, of course, we want to acknowledge our wonderful patrons. We mentioned our PBS Kids podcast for the kids. We are embarking on a six-part podcast series about the Bookworm Bunch, and we started off with the most recent episode, Timothy Goes to School. That was a fun one, and you can find a free preview on the free ECL feed, or you can find that podcast and hours and hours of content over at patreon.com slash Limits. We want to welcome new patrons Veronica Tram and Jess Coulter. Thank you so much for supporting us. Jess, I think I've mentioned you as a new one a couple of times, but Veronica, Veronica, you are a new one, so welcome and thank you. We also want to acknowledge people like Years End 94, Vinny Cataldo, Emmy the Ghost, Owen, Lee Goldson, Lily W, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Pretty Cool Stairs, very active on Twitter is Pretty Cool Stairs, uh, or Peebs, Kevin New and Joe Sue, Christine Wong, Emily K, Shandra Lefave, Boaten, Light Relentless, and let's say Riley Stevens. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate your support. And it's pay what you want at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Now let's talk about Arthur. This episode is DW's Stray Net Kitten, which has to do with DW and her new stuffed toy, Tickly the Net Kitten, which are, as DW says, virtual pets 
that also live on the internet. So Lucas, this, as has been mentioned in an email to us before, is a parody of the t of the toy line Webkins. What do you know about Webkins? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, not firsthand. This is another classic. Uh, add this to the Elwood City Limits bingo board of I'm drawing from my experiences with my younger sister. Uh, she was huge into Webkins, so I was already a little bit old for it at the time. Um, but I remember... Um, she being like really big into the Webkins phenomenon to the point now where when I see like Webkins TikToks and stuff, because a lot of people from that generation are now old enough to be like creating content and memes and stuff. I'll get all these Webkins about, oh, you can spin the wheel for the jewel of wonder. And I'll, I'll send those to my sister because I know she'll get it. But, you know, that was in <laughs> that era of she was a little too young for Neopets. So she kind of missed that whole wave too okay. young for Have yeah, a yeah, Hotel. Yeah. But her era was Club Penguin and Webkins. Those were their, her big big ones that she was, you know, checking daily. So I remember uh, WebKids really well, and that was one of those things where, you know, I was just... I was like 12, 11. I just liked going on the computer in general. So that was something that we shared together where when she would walk, play Club Penguin or when she would be doing stuff on WebKids, I was happy to kind of sit there and, and watch her play just because I was into computer time at the time. So uh, it's, it's something that I have, you know, fond memories of looking back. And it, it's kind of funny because when this episode started, I was thinking about, you know, the past Arthur episodes we've had tackling fads. Uh, the woozles right. come to mind. Um, I know that there's been... woogles. Woogles. Oh my goodness. Woozles Wuzzle, are real. Woozles are real. Forgive wuzzles. me. Was uh oh. Now it's really we're losing the plot. But yeah, the woogles. Yes, but yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, Arthur episodes have have tackled trends. It seems like multiple times now. Um, and I was thinking that's what this episode was going to be like, but not really. The, the, it doesn't really make no. a commentary on whether web kids are good or bad. It's more so just kind of a. Uh, a representation of them. But to that point, though, Will, what was your experience with Webkins? Zero. <laughs> um, so Webkins, I knew, were toys I would pass by in, like, Walmart or something. I had no idea what they were. So when this episode explained, um, I understood what it was right away. But so contrary to your sister, I was exactly the right age for Neopets. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, you know, I mentioned actually at the beginning, so Elwood City Downtown Core was something that I would visit continuously along with that would have been a site like neopets and then in junior high so okay you mentioned have a hotel which is kind of was was an institution i never did have a hotel but i did do the ripoff of have a hotel that coca-cola did oh called goodness. coke music what? where you could create your own dj mixes so <laughs> my, all of my friends at school and i did coke music so you could make your own uh, <laughs> hotel room you could but you like you could buy stuff for your hotel room and you could make your own dj mixes and trade them with people i thought coke music was like it's like a french montana mixtape this is all new to me <laughs> yeah no coke music was a big part of my life in like grade seven and grade eight it was like i wonder if there's like a youtube documentary about it or something coca-cola's lost online chat game by the men talk on youtube i'm going to watch that as soon as we're done that it's it's basically a habo hotel reskin uh so yeah but that <laughs> that brings back good memories though i loved making those dj those awful awful dj mixes um and that was just kind of like part of the internet at that time you know you would go to flash game websites sometimes and, and i'm i must say i'm talking like the the early to mid 2000s you're probably mm. talking a little a few years after that yeah webkins was definitely like by the time webkins came out like this episode i would have been like 18 or something so definitely not the target demographic yeah definitely like 08 09 um and i guess for the uninitiative uh, uninitiated listeners um the difference between webkins and something like neopets and this yeah. is accurately portrayed in the arthur episode is that, you know, WebKids, you actually had to buy a physical representation of That's the right. online character. Yes. That's right, yes. So as DW has to do with her net kitten, you buy a, um, like a stuffed toy, and it comes with a code. And you put that code onto, like, webkins.com or whatever mm -hmm. it is, and it creates a virtual avatar of the toy. And you can interact with it virtually. And you can kind of do that. It reminds me of you used to be able to do that with certain Digimon Digivices mm -hmm. after a while. Like you would be able to kind of interact with them online. And it was kind of like basically like t if the Tamagotchi was a stuffed animal. Boy, does anybody know what Tamagotchi is ever? <laughs> um, but like feeding it 
taking care of it. I have a couple pieces of info about Webkins. Like yeah. you said, it's a stuffed animal with an online component. It was released in 2005. It had a million online accounts and it grossed over $100 million in 2006. So it hit the ground running. And for all intents and purposes, like just because I know nothing about it, um, is kind of meaningless. I think it was just out of my generation. It seems that it made a huge amount of money, and it's still active to today. They're still making toys, and in fact, in uh, relation to this episode, uh, there have been ongoing concerns about malware in the website, and there was actually a data breach last year which leaked to the login info of over 23 million players. So, uh, yeah. The Webkins. The other thing that's weird about Webkins is, and and this, I don't know if they've changed this, but I remember the last time I checked back in on it uh, out of nostalgia, th- yes. th- me and my sister were talking about, like, oh, we should see if, like, your Webkid is, like, still alive or whatever <laughs> and check out the site. The way Webkids works is you have to keep buying new stuffed animals. Like, your stuffed animal will, like, expire. Like, your, oh. your access to the website's only temporary, and then you have to buy, like, another stuffed animal. At least, that was true the last time I checked in. They could have changed this. It's been many years since. But uh, for a time, you had to continuously buy new Webkins, which was another element of an, another way to exploit the children, I suppose. Good gravy. No kidding. I mean, you really realize how, how much these kind of seemingly benign fads kind of took from kids at the time, or at least from their parents. So yeah, DW's got this net kitten. It's uh, called Tickly. It's like a purple um, b- a cat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pal, Pal doesn't really like it. And DW plays with it online. Jesus, thing is annoying. It's, see, it's I just thought kind it was. Of... I thought it was cute when we see like the 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 interface again. This might just be the nostalgia talking, but I, when we see the interface and she's like petting it, um, and she's like, uh, first of all, I have an affinity for like when cartoons do like fake video games, especially in yes, Arthur. Totally, I love it when totally. Arthur does like fake UI. I always find it fascinating. <laughs> and I thought to myself, watching this, I was like, oh man, I bet if I watched this as a kid, I would want this to be real. If I didn't know about WebKids, I'd be like, this is yeah. This is, it's so cute. Like it the the uh, mittens is is or sorry, what is it? Skittles tickly. mittens tickly. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Tickly <laughs> um, is like walking around this like isometric uh, uh, kind of really pink, kind of flowerly, girly decorated house. And there's like all these options to the side. There's like a brush its teeth or brush its fur. And, and there's something that just kind of looks like a piece of butter on a plate. I don't know if that's feeded or what, but I don't know. I, I, I thought this was kind of cute and endearing. You found so it annoying? I, I, I did. And it's and it's really, you know what, my, my comparison to the Tamagotchi before is kind mm. of where this comes in because it's very demanding. Of oh, like, true. When it, get, when, it's, when it gets hungry, it's like, or and then later on and then a little bit later on it's like i'm bored i'm <laughs> bored i'm bored i'm not in my house with this thing i also think so, this is my memory betray- it might, could be my memory betraying me but i don't think that the real life webkins were that needy i think it was more in line with neopets where it's like you didn't sure. have to like feed them or else they would get like sick you you just kind of played mini games with them and stuff and address them up i'm not sure if there was actually this kind of component similar to a top topic were definitely like that where you had to keep up on them i'm not sure webkins were the same way you did have to feed neopets though although it was pretty much it was pretty forgiving it was like yeah. if you didn't feed a neopet for a couple days you come back and be like it's like it's on the verge of death and then you just feed it and it's fine um so dw is very taken with her net kitten um it, you're right it is kind of cool to see how they um imagined this play space i don't know does this look similar at all to yeah Webkins? i was like really surprised i mean some parts of it don't don't like i'm looking at the clip right now and like when she's feeding it that's like completely fabricated but when she's right. kind of clicking around and and the 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 net kitten is in its space that looks just like webkins okay so dw is playing with emily's net kitten who is another cat named prince smiley and all of a sudden, as mom needs the computer to do her tax work, the, com- the screen freezes, which was a constant fear as a child playing games on the computer. You never want the, the computer to freeze. And they finally get it going, but then, okay, so <laughs> they have to call in a, like a mobile kind of like geek squad yes. um, g- type computer fixer called called the glitch fixers to fix 
a scary clown computer virus. I almost grabbed my roommate uh, and made him watch this part because um, <laughs> he always, you know, he works in computer science. He's got a degree in it, and and uh, he's my like tech person. Whenever anything goes wrong, but he always has an affinity for like these ty- one these types of characters and stuff, and also two like the way computers are portrayed in media like this. And I wanted to ask him, like, how possible is this? Like, could the malware on WebKids be so sophisticated that it's like when Newman installs that virus on the Jurassic Park computers and it makes a gif of Newman going, uh, 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 you uh, didn't say the uh, magic uh, uh, word. Because uh. um, that's essentially what the cloud does. The cloud takes hold of the computer uh, and is mocking them. Uh, to what end? I don't know. Like, what is the purpose of this virus? Is it stealing all Just, of uh, Bob Reed's like tax information? Who could say? Well, and it's important. It's important to remember that, like, for a little while, the thought of viruses was mainly just as like an annoyance. Um, they could only be so sophisticated. And there was a time when it's like the computer virus is just like, oh no, it like bricked my computer, or it like spammed my computer with a bunch of inputs and now it like can't operate it wasn't quite at the like steal your credit card information type I, of I thing i got least. a computer virus as a kid that would just play a nickelback song in the background <laughs> see like almost harmless or almost harmless trolling but uh, of course we're not we're not quite there anymore so this seemed it seemed a little bit between fantasy and reality here but you know you gotta go with it by the way the glitch fixer is definitely voiced by bruce dinsmore when he started talking it sounded like binky i just thought that was funny they have to put the computer in the shop for a couple of days so dw needs arthur and buster to or really more just arthur to feed her net kitten at the on the school computer so she bribes him and buster with cookies and then arthur finally gives in if he can watch bionic bunny at five o'clock for a week uh, we also get a Johnny Playman reference because DW offers them cookies when they are playing baseball and Arthur is pretending he is Johnny Playman from the Curse of the Greebs episode. So again, season 12, very much into the reference game. As we get deeper and deeper into Arthur, they love to look back on their history. I wonder, Will, is it the, many of the same writers or do you think there's just this like really expansive, uh, for lack of a better term, brand Bible for Arthur where, you know, if you're going to reference a baseball team, make sure it's the Greaves. If you're going to do this, you got to make sure like like it's it's kind of really surprising that after all these years, we're kind of getting into over a decade of Arthur at this point um, that they're able to kind of keep such consistency. Well, and one uh, writer that's been on for a very long time on Arthur is Peter Hirsch. And so I imagine it's partially due to somebody like him who has been around for a long time and can put in about stuff like that. Or a writer like uh, Kusi Cram uh, was around for a lot as well and contributing to Arthur. And I bet they do keep adding to the show Bible. I think that that's probably uh, pretty right on. I'd love to ask an Arthur writer about that. And believe me, I am trying. Uh <laughs> At the, at the school, Arthur asks to use Mr. Ratburn's computer. He asks, Mr. Ratburn asks them to write a paper on the importance of the beaver in Canadian history. Can you think of anything off the top of your head about why the beaver is a Canadian icon, considering we're both Canadians? Well, it's on the nickel. Oh, yeah. Like... But is there anything beyond that? I mean, besides it being it's 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 funny, the term like significance of beaver in history is what's odd. Cause the significance of the beaver to Canadians is easy to answer. It's just kind of a national icon like the loon. Um, you know, oh, sure. you know, it's a, it's an animal that frequents our wilderness where you might see less of it down south, right? Like that's that's yeah. why the beaver is notable. Oh, actually, okay, now that I think this through, I, I take that all back. I mean a big part of uh, the economy here when um, colonialists first came was like the pelt trade, right? Like, were, oh, weren't yes. they hunting beaver hats? It was like fashionable back in England at the time or whatever. And so yes. that's like the Hudson's Bay. Okay, I'm starting to put it together, Will. All the fourth grade Canadian histories like flooding back to the front of my head. It's it's like the Hudson's Bay Company, right? They would like, there was the whole pelt trade. Um, and that's kind of what like helped bolster, bolster the economy here. Uh, besides, you know, like salmon fishing and stuff like that, there was like, oh, we have to like hunt all these pelts and send it back overseas. 
Kids, you don't need to pay exorbitant amounts of money to get your Canadian history lesson. That's Lucas right. Mancini will do it for free. No, you don't need to, you know, get a get a, a Canadian citizenship and enjoy our public school system because I'll just uh, kind of barely remember and probably get all the details <laughs> wrong and, and reiterate it to you for you. Barely remembering and getting the details wrong is what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. It was built on that. So Arthur is trying to feed the net kitten. And uh, a, a recurring joke, as always, is Mr. Ratburn's fascination with and uh, novice experience yes. with technology. It, it, he is fascinated by the net kitten website. It's so funny that they paint Mr. Ratburn of a bit of a, a unintentional Luddite. Like, he for all of his wealth of knowledge he seems to not understand how computers work to this day even though he was like playing uh, um the confuse the goose se- sequel and stuff that's right he's never skied the webbing of the information freeway as it were uh so while they are kind of feeding dw's net kitten and they finally get their computer back they realize that or arthur says that like oh yeah me and mr ratburn like actually bought a bunch of stuff for your net kitten and (laughs) this is crazy by the way that's so wild they they bought her a bunch of baseball related and like puppet stuff so like now it's got the net kitten has like an emote where it's going go grebes go and there's like a puppet in the corner and he's like she doesn't like baseball or puppets like it it just throws them all out this must be how Um, like parents feel when little kids steal their visa and buy a bunch of v bucks like What's with these people buying stuff on DW's account when she's not around? Even if it's just the yeah. fake WebKids currency, that's still wild. Well, and I imagine, I mean, this was kind of before the advent of it, but were there microtransactions in WebKids <sighs> that took I, I, actual money? I've been trying to remember that this whole time. I wish I had researched it before we started the episode. I remember there was like an RNG component where a big part, and this is why you see the memes today reference this. It was like the wheel of wonder. You could get like a jewel and you had to spin this wheel. Like similar to Neopets, you could earn stuff from playing mini games. And a lot of them were chance based where there was like kind of like a gotcha pawn, like you had a chance of getting something. But yes. I, I'd be lying if I said I remembered exactly how the WebKids economy worked. Uh, mm. I wish I could phone a friend. I could call in my sister, and I'm sure she'd be able to uh, educate us. I mean, it's still active today, so I, I mean, I bet you that they probably have moved on to microtransactions in some form or fashion. Um, so, yeah, DW is not a fan of the stuff that they bought. And once again, their computer gets a virus. This time it's an icon of a pirate. That is just laughing at them constantly. And so at this point in the episode, I thought, oh, well, we're going to learn about Internet safety of just like, hey, some of these, you know, websites can lead to viruses or something. But uh, they just take the computer away again to the glitch fixers and they're without the computer. So DW has to figure out how she's going to take care of Tickly. So she asks Emily to do it. Uh, But DW is insecure about that to the point where she has a nightmare that tickly leaves her because she prefers uh you know emily prefers to have her net kitten like dance and feeds it liver instead of like the typical net kitten food in this nightmare it starts off with the physical net kitten literally escaping from dw's window there's a couple of good reads that tickly has as she's leaving she's just like i'm leaving you this, this was you know as someone who i watched more web kids that i played uh this actually uh, reminded me of feelings I had playing Animal Crossing. There's a very real, like, oh yeah, villager guilt. It's actually the reason why I haven't returned to that game in a really long time, because it's like, if you don't Ooh. spend time in your Animal Crossing village, your villagers, and they've gotten nicer about this over time. In the early games, your villagers were quite rude to you. Um, but in the new one, your villagers are just basically, they'll, they'll be sad. They'll be like, oh, we haven't seen you around here in a while. And I don't think mm. my little heart could take it, Will. I don't think I could face my, my electronic neighbors um, and, and you know look them down as my town is covered with weeds from neglect. As they go, oh, Lucas, it's so nice to have you back. We haven't seen you in so long. There's a very real e-pet anxiety. Um, so it's funny if that <laughs> kind of unintentionally this Arthur episode has kind of captured that emotion so perfectly. One of my favorite things is guilting my wife uh, because she also hasn't played Animal Crossing for a very long time. And that was her that was her pandemic activity. And then she kind of gave it up after a while. And so I'm sure her uh, Animal Crossing uh, situation is overcome with weeds. 
Um, so Nadine and DW give chase in Nadine's like air uh, motorcycle or whatever. They go through this like Blade Runner ass net kitten city. Yeah, it's, it's like Coruscant. Like, yeah, it does. Like it, there's all these structures with like cat heads and stuff. And they eventually catch up to Tickly, and DW tries to take her back, but Tickly doesn't want to go back, and she runs into Emily's arms. She says, she lets me dance and eat liver! <laughs> it's like an interesting take on uh, Tickly's voice here. So I DW also love a, that, that Tickly yeah. is still wearing the Greebs hat that Arthur bought her. That's right. Good, uh, good, good looking out. So DW is afraid that... Tickly is going to prefer Emily to her. So she calls Emily and asks her to stop feeding Tickly and under the uh, auspices that her computer has been fixed, but it hasn't. And then very quickly, DW gets guilty about that and just like, well, what what will happen if I don't feed Tickly for another two days? But eventually, eventually, when they do get the computer back, DW finds that Tickly has been fed anyway. And Emily decided to just feed Tickly while did, like decided to check in with Tickly just on the off chance something was wrong and uh yeah just uh, fed her while she was while DW was away yet DW another very... yet another episode in season 12 that uh continues the Emily redemption arc uh um, yeah I, you know decent a, thing for her to do a, 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 Emily has been a character thus far that has basically uh been nothing but an antagonist to DW talking about her French nanny and the like. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen now, this is the second time this season that Emily has kind of been a really good friend to DW. I think we're beginning to realize that DW doesn't really need an enemy. Like, she doesn't need somebody who's oh. antagonistic. Yes. Yes. Just... DW is her own enemy. And she has the Tibble twins. I feel like the Tibble twins are more of a direct enemy as well. Uh, DW gifts her with a Net Kitten's uh, jazzy pants uh, accessories. And they decide to try dancing together, uh, Prince uh, Prince Smiley and Tickly. And hopefully that's the last time I have to say those names. And the episode, and all's well that ends well and what have you. All right, before we dive into the second part of this episode, which is also a heavily featured DW episode, we're just going to take a quick break. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city dash limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits or you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. Bats in the Belfry. This one also starts out with uh, Bruce Dinsmore pulling uh, double duty. Uh, We don't really hear him as Dad Reed or Binky in this episode, but we do hear him as the announcer for this commercial called Gizmo, which can apparently do everything and it's only 1999 which leads into Arthur talking about things being too good to be true. This was a weird like this is a classic example of the intro doesn't quite tie to the episode. Like I see what they're getting at, yeah. but the overall arch of this ep- arc of this episode doesn't really have anything to do with this intro about things being too good to be true. Though I will say, yeah, love the classic Bruce Dinsmore. This is just like the generic Bruce Dinsmore voice I recognized him immediately um and this was just kind of a, a fun satire of of info marshals you know your slap chops your your flex seal and the like 
Yeah. And so the the couple instances we get of things being too good to be true is Mr. Ratburn saying that he's not giving them any written homework for the weekend, but instead is like has a mountain of books for reading homework, light reading, he calls it. Another one that I found very relatable is Arthur being disappointed when his computer game doesn't work. He literally tries to put the computer game into his PC, but it spits it back out. And Dad Reed uh, says that you need the latest operating system. Uh, for it to function and it can only be used in Norway this, this was, was really relatable yeah. to me as well uh, Meets, yeah, when I was exactly. a little kid I was a, I loved gaming but I, I didn't understand how computers work and so I expected like a, a new computer game to work like the same way my N64 or my, my mm-hmm, GameCube mm-hmm. would where it's like you just put the new game in and it's gonna work I didn't realize that like computers had different specs and so on so I would buy a, a game that obviously just wouldn't run on my computer I expected my computer would be able to run all the new games and so I was woefully disappointed like this before Oh man, like that was a lot of my early gaming too and in P- PC gaming. Like I remember I bought the PC game version of A Bug's Life and it chugged. It was so slow and I just had to make the best of it. I played that slow game for years mm-hmm. and it just never worked the way it was supposed to because my computer couldn't run it it was just a lowly windows 98 it could only do so much that i was asking of it so this really brought back and it was like a constant it like i still kind of have it to this day it's like it's like this computer anxiety of like your computer not working the way that you want it to especially when it comes to games so i get super <laughs> nervous about installing games on my computer i don't really do it anymore it's still like that i've i've been playing call of duty warzone that's been my new pandemic activity uh, oh yeah uh, i've been playing a lot of call of duty warzone lately and i've been trying to play with my roommate and he you know i'm playing on ps4 he's playing on pc and that game like it just he has a very new computer he's got like all the stuff he could run most games fine like he, he couldn't get that game to run on his computer and he was looking up what he would have to do to fix it and it would like they want him to like change stuff in the bios they want him to like uninstall and reinstall windows they want to he was oh, explaining to me man. all this crazy stuff that he would have to do they want to like give the game priority over all the other apps running on his computer um all these crazy errors just to play call of duty warzone and i was like you know what maybe maybe i will just get a ps5 like this seems like a nightmare yeah, this is rugged. The meat of the episode is that Arthur and DW help Grandma Thora clear out her attic. And when it's all clear, Grandma gives them a present. She decides to give them the attic to have as their own clubhouse, which, of course, they have different ideas for. DW would prefer a princess palace with a jacuzzi, but Arthur points out that there are no water pipes mm. going up to the attic, which is a very good observation. I did not think of that. <laughs> And Arthur wants a pirate ship so he and his friends can act out scenes from Buccaneers of the Bahamas, the popular movie franchise. We would have been at least two movies into the Pirates of the Caribbean series, maybe even three at this point. It's the the theaters in Elwood City have finally gotten a new movie. You know, no more uh, <laughs> 10,000 explosions at a supernova. We're on to a completely different series. That's right. Uh, or, I mean, maybe they just got more screens. <laughs> True. It's like a multiplex. Right. So they can't really come to an agreement about what they want to do. So Muffy suggests they like Muffy just kind of rides up with Bailey on her bicycle and suggests a timeshare for the clubhouse. <laughs> so they will swap it on alternate Saturdays. And the whole thing here is that Arthur is planning to have a sleepover with Buster in the attic, but he just straight up gets his weekend wrong. Like DW confronts him about it with the calendar and Buster even confirms, yeah, Arthur just got the wrong weekend. DW, so Bust- who can't even tell time, has the receipts. Yeah. Or read. And uh, he and Buster have to sleep over with DW so they can't pl- they can't tell each other ghost stories like they wanted to. And they have to play a board game called Mary Moo Cow's Mary Maypole. Which uh, I always, that, like you like um, you, fake video game interfaces and cartoons, and I do too. I love fake board games, mm. especially in Arthur. There have been a lot of fun ones, like Tower of Cows. Yeah, Tower of Cows Confu- is the classic. Confuse the Goose, um, like all those kinds of things. It's just always interesting to see like how it could potentially work. So after DW goes to sleep that night, they finally get a chance to tell each other ghost stories, because apparently DW is a very heavy sleeper, which I wouldn't have guessed. But apparently so. And Buster gets ready to tell Arthur one about like a haunted doll. And then there's a rustling in the in the wings. 
and they find a bat in the attic, like it just a uh, just a wild bat, uh, that which thankfully is not very aggressive. Uh, that they're both pretty scared of it. They think it's like a vampire bat, and uh, Buster <laughs> tries to get some garlic to combat it, but can only find garlic salt, which uh, garlic salt, garlic, garlic powder, great things to add to any practically anything you can cook on the stove. Uh, Buster tries to, they go back upstairs and, and Buster tries to, uh, use the garlic salt on what they think is the vampire, but it's DW. DW has a great line. She goes, I am not a pizza. That took me a second. I'm like, what are you talking? And it's just like, all right, you put garlic salt on a pizza. Like it took, it just took a second for that to, to click into my head. DW actually is not afraid of the bat at all. She's, uh, she, she thinks it's really cool. And she likens it to a story that mom reads her called Starry Mooney, which I thought was maybe like a real story at first. But it's a story about a bat who didn't want to be a bat. This, uh, this seems like it's a, a, a direct reference to something. Did you know what this is? No. I mean, the only thing that kind of made that made me think about it was and this isn't really the same thing. So I'm not sure. But um like when I was when I was young, when I was maybe ten or twelve, um, I would have read um, Silverwing. I, the, I the thought Sil- of Silverwing as well. Oh, okay. So once again, the Arthur Wiki coming through here. It's apparently based on the children's book Stella Luna. Oh, okay. I, I the name sounds familiar, but I barely barely remember even what it would even be about. But yeah, I I too just thought of Silverwing. So Starry Mooney, Stella Luna, yeah, it's, oh God, I just, <laughs> again, thanks to the Arthur Wiki really coming through, I completely forgot that Stella Luna existed. By the way, while we're on the subject of kids' books, um, just want to uh, just want to say a big thank you and rest in peace to Eric Carl, who was the author of The Very Hungry Caterpillar and a lot of other children's books, uh, died at 91 this week as we were recording this podcast so thank you for all of thank you for all the great books the very hungry caterpillar a classic of my childhood love that book so yeah dw relates this to starry mooney and starts to call the bat starry mooney um so she is very much like you know don't don't bother the bats like it's it's fine and they all decide to go to sleep arthur kind of stays up though because he finds the bat actually rather interesting he sees the bat eating mosquitoes and kind of just doing its thing and arthur finds it very interesting it reminds me of the owl in the barn from the rhythm and roots of arthur special oh right and i think like I actually think a a bat is probably less dangerous than an owl. Like, a bat is scary, and it might fly in your face. Um, but I, especially ones in North America, I don't think pose any actual threat. Uh, besides no. what they talk about later, which has diseases. But owls have those talons. They could rip your scalp off. Yeah. I Like I said in our commentary, uh, which is on Patreon for The Rhythm and Roots of Arthur, I would not want to be... A, a, like asleep alone in a room with an owl like I wouldn't like a non train a wild owl I wouldn't yeah. trust it no I don't think so those things so some, lo- some owls could like pick up goats and drop them off cliffs and stuff Ugh. Um. so Arthur kind of st- kind of sticks up for the bat after Grandma Thora is kind of a bit concerned that there was a bat she says it could uh, carry rabies and has to explain to DW that's a very bad infection and then DW kind of turns on the bat a little bit but they decide to have Dad Reed build a bat house for it I've never really seen a bat house but I imagine it's not much different from a bird house so they build it uh, on the outside of the house so the bat can come in and then the episode comes to an end here where they where Arthur sees hey there's two bats that have uh, come into the bat house uh, hope they hope they like it in there and we go into the bat house, and it's two bats that have Arthur and DW's faces and are voiced by them. Except it's this it's this horrible high pitched version of their voices, especially on DW. Bat DW's face, like sorry, Bat DW's voice. When she started talking, it was like like I got a little scared for a second. <laughs> it was because because the the joke is is that the two bats are like trying to like 
like you can have this space yeah. alternate weekends or like it's like you can have it on Arbor Day and and whatever just like Arthur and DW disagreements we're having except Bat DW is just like okay that's your time that's your time to hunt and this is my time to like I can't do I can't do it it's been yeah I I, I noticed day. the voices as well it reminds me of like I've been rewatching some old Simpsons and often like Bart Simpson will try and do like a, a British accent and I'm like oh god like Bart's British accent's really really terrible and then you remember that like not only is doing a cartoon voice hard doing a cartoon voice pretending to do another cor- voice is even harder right like so this yes. is supposed to be an approximation of, of arthur and dw but then you know again obfuscated by becoming bat arthur and dw so i empathize with how difficult that must be but yeah i too recognize i was like oh my goodness these are some weird voices my hope is that they um my hope is that they just pitched their voices up. They didn't make them g- hit that sque- that squeaky. Ugh, 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 I didn't like it at all. And that's the end of that one. Okay. So let's go back to DW Stray Net Kitten. Lucas, we kind of talked about its relationship to Webkins and your relationship to that. What did you think of the episode? So interesting enough, I, I thought both of these episodes actually kind of flew by this week. It definitely wasn't a boring week for Elwood City, like in terms of, you know, there was neither of these episodes I thought were particularly bad or, or you know, droned on. So I thought they were very watchable. This episode, it, it's interesting. At first I was worried because like we talked about before and, and something that we've been kind of worried about with this new season is that at first it seemed like well-worn territory. I was like, we've done this before, you know, the collectible. I expected the 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 moral of the story to be like, oh, you know, everybody's trying to get this hot new trend, and you know, that's not everything. You shouldn't have to obsess over that. And that's not really where the episode went at all. It was more so an episode about, well, kind of, you know, Arthur and Emily just kind of doing something nice for DW, or yeah. or the moral of the story was to be like not so worked up about her kind of computer like like I said it was is kind of about like not getting so worked up about your e-pet like like animal crossing so this is a very outside of the box kind of both subject matter and kind of conclusion for the episode um it's it's not your traditional kind of moralistic arthur story there's not really like a lesson to be learned here uh but I thought it was very entertaining and I thought it was funny and also I like that they're beginning the project of redeeming the Emily character so um I don't know I enjoyed it what about you will I didn't like mm. especially in kind of reviewing it back it's just like so what i liked is that we it gave us an opportunity to talk about all of our time around the internet uh, like around the time of webkins and stuff like that so that i enjoyed and i think that the idea of it is good i i think you mentioned it before when arthur kind of tackles fads or trends like we like we did the american girl episode or whatever the arthur equivalent of it was a little while ago and that was cool like it gave me an opportunity to look up what american girl dolls are and the same with this like it gave me an opportunity to understand what webkins are and I think it's cool when they try to make it a little bit more modern that kids can relate to. That said, like, man, you you said it. I kept expecting, like, one thing to happen or one thing or another to happen, and then it just didn't. Just and did, then yeah. kind of nothing happened, you know? Like, I did expect this to be because it seemed like, the, you know, they got the computer virus two times. And I was thinking, like, you know what? If this was my family. Then I would be I would be promptly told, you're not going on that website anymore. <laughs> You know, yeah, but, it's true. but nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. I also, I also thought it was going to be like, well, you know, don't take your, don't take your net kitten so seriously or just like limit your internet time or whatever. It's just like, no, like nothing really comes of that. Like DW takes it seriously, but then it turns out okay anyway. And it's just like, what is, it feels like we didn't even really have a story for this in the end. It was just like, we had the idea of the Arthur version of Webkin's and then that's and then that's kind of it dw runs into trouble in or something i'll tell you what i i was i wasn't feeling as negatively about it about you as you but you aren't doing this episode any favors by bringing up that excellent american girl doll episode which you know yeah not only is a great kind of both celebration of the american girl dolls as a concept but a a uh, scathing critique of capitalism and consumerism. And that's just kind of one of the most, you know, in-depth lots going on Arthur episodes ever. Uh, whereas this is 
very, very surface level. Like, there's not really a conclusion, like you said. So I see what you're saying. Well, like I said, like, I kept expecting something to happen because it's Arthur, and then it didn't. It's surface level, I think you I think you put it very well, is how I feel about this. And there wasn't anything that I found especially funny or entertaining about it. And as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the new animation style, I'm not really vibing with it. Like, it's, I can see how, <sighs> well, it's, and I always, I always try to preface everything by saying I'm not an animator. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't want to discourage, not discourage, but I don't want to come down too hard on the animation department for something that, like, in the end, it looks like Arthur. It doesn't look like crap or anything, but it's mm-hmm. also just like, it seems to be a noticeable downturn in quality, and it's a little distracting at times for me. It's not like the word. It's not like watching a Flash episode. And it's just like, whoa, this is not what I expect Arthur to be. But it is just like, eh, this doesn't look as good as like some of the other ones. Especially like if you watch an early, early Arthur episode now, and you look at how mm. the characters move and everything, and it's just like, oh my god, you start to like, notice no, more. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no comparison. So See, I, I'm, I'm still I'm still bracing myself. It's one of those cases where it's like you don't know what it's got what you got till it's gone. Because um, yeah. I I think I'm still just counting my lucky stars that these aren't the Flash animated episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I agree that you can notice that whether it's a lack of budget or or just the different studio or, or what have you for some reason or the other the animation has kind of gone down in quality, especially from those kind of really gorgeous looking in retrospect first three seasons um but you know we have such depths to fall to will that i'm trying to savior this while we can you're right you're you're right and you know what if uh for all of you who are kind of going through the show if i if we get to the if we get to the flash episodes and i'm just like it looked better two seasons ago remind me that maybe that wasn't exactly what i thought at the time um, as for Bats in the Belfry, this one I don't dislike as much as DW Stray Net Kitten, but it was also just kind of like, it was over before I knew it, and at the end I was like, eh, kind of nothing really happened. Um, it's, it's fine, I guess, but I'm also just like, eh, I don't know, I don't really have anything to say about it, honestly. Like, there's a couple of... I I, I I guess I did appreciate the character thing that's like, DW's not scared of it, and Arthur is more scared of it. And the idea of them getting a clubhouse is kind of interesting, but it also, it just felt really thin. Like, there wasn't a whole lot to it in terms of story or anything like that. So, in the end, I, I, I don't dislike it, I don't like it, I just feel nothing about it. So, and it was disappointing because I was looking for the second half of this episode to come through, and it didn't. So, yeah, not really positive on this one either. Yeah, I, I, Bats of the Belfry, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I, I like the episodes where we, we kind of see DW and Arthur work together. Like I, I, I like the episodes where we we get like really positive aspects of the the DW and Arthur relationship, and I I felt like th- this is another case where there isn't really a moral to this episode. It doesn't really have a three act structure. It's basically the DW the 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 first half is about kind of them trying to split up this space, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the second half, which is just like there's a bat in the attic, um, and there's no real moral. There's no real like oh if there's a bat in your attic, this is what you should do. It's just kind of oh there's a bat in the attic, and then they build a bad house and the problem is resolved but there's something about this episode i liked it even more than the first one in that i i I just like seeing arthur and buster and dw all kind of hanging out as a group and having a good time together um and maybe that's why i liked the first episode a little bit more than you as well is because a part of that episode is is arthur trying to help dw i don't know it's it's they had uh to reference something we were talking about earlier a lot more of an antagonistic relationship in the early seasons and we're starting to see them kind of work together more and more so I, I, there was something just kind of cute about them having, you know, a sleepover together. I was really into the fact that DW was the least scared of the bat. I thought that was a fun yeah. kind of choice. Um, but you're right. It's not like the slam dunk that we're used to. And it's, it's again, very surface level as, as far as Arthur episodes are concerned. But I liked this one more than I liked uh, Straight Net Kit. We, uh, I mean, we had, a hot, we had a hot start on this season. Mm. So I'm certainly not 
begrudging it for letting off the gas a little bit, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to make up for this in episodes to come. All right, well, either way, we still got to talk about some Arthur. I, Of course, I very much appreciated that this episode led to the discussions that we had, so... Uh, can't uh, can't disagree there, and hopefully you did too. Now, coming up uh, very soon for our Elwood City Limits patrons, we will be having uh, part two of six of our Bookworm Bunch series. This time we're going to be talking about Elliot Moose. So if you'd like to hear us talk about that uh, annoyingly catchy theme song and whatever the hell else happens on Elliot Moose, uh, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. Please feel free to do so. And uh, it is pay what you want, as always. And we appreciate everyone who does. Now, next time on Elwood City Limits, after Lucas and I have been vaccinated, exciting, exciting, we're going to be talking about the episode, the stories For the Birds and Ungifted as we continue our roll along into Season 12. I'm, uh, like I said, we will be communicative if the, uh, if the side effects of vaccine number one hit us hard. I'm crossing my fingers not uh, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Also, uh, I'm going to be on, I'm doing the like the podcast uh, tour circuit. Yes, exactly. I'm going to be on Podcast 60 Died, like we talked about last episode, but I'm also going to be on uh, the next episode of the Samurai Pizza Cast. Uh, they're, nice. they're nearing the end of their show. Could you imagine that, Will? Imagine if we ever get to the end of Arthur. Uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody, like, I ran into a friend today on the street, and he's just like, yeah, aren't you guys done yet? And I'm like, no, we're not even halfway through. <laughs> Five uh, years in, we're not even halfway through. That's awesome. I love the Samurai Pizza cast. Well, yeah, they, they, you were on an earlier episode, and I so was? they wanted to yes. kind of, they started with Elwood City Limits, they want to end with Elwood City Limits, so I, I hopped on the uh, Samurai Pizza cast. I think it'll be the episode that's out this week, and so we'll be sure to sure to share, share that on the socials. Oh my god, share that on the socials. It's quite a tongue twister. So keep an eye out for that, and keep an eye out for the Podcast 69 episode as well. Awesome. I can't wait to hear all the places that you've been. Yeah, please let us know as soon as those come out. Uh, of course, uh, ECL patron and former guest on the show Andrew Power is behind the Samurai Pizza cast and it's a great podcast you should check it out I'm definitely gonna uh, check out this episode with Lucas in it I feel like uh, this is this is your purview like you you love classic anime so uh, this is this is gonna be right up your alley can't wait to can't wait to hear this one all right well wherever you catch us uh, on other podcasts or on our patreon or on uh, well if you just go through the back catalog of Velvet City Limits Uh, We hope you have a great week, and we will see you very soon. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, we have to make sure there's enough room for my pirate stuff. We'll see you next time.